This is I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast. Featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment relevance. I, I'm always proud of myself for not saying early's 40s. I don't know why, but that's just... Uh, well, I don't just, know where that would come from, Bill, I don't know but either. Are you proud of that? It's, it's Set your standards low, my friend. It's stuck in my brain. So I am your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. And this week, one week only, we are joined by... <laughs> You're such a liar. I am your other co-host for this in every single episode since we started. <laughs> I am Noah Tarno of the Big Quiz Thing, uh, the Trivia Game Show Spectacular, speaking to you straight from San Francisco, California. It's the truth. You know, Noah, you hold the record for the most appearances on this show. Yes, I tied with you. Yeah, how about that? You Who's tied with three? me. We- we haven't had any guests who appeared more than once, have we? No, no, no. Every no, guest no. has been a one shot. So, so we're tied for first, and we have like a five way tie for third. Yes. Okay. Well, exactly. that makes sense. All right. That's great. That's those are stats to crunch. Let's make a line graph. So, on this program, we pick apart trends in popular culture that are that we observe in younger people, and we try to give it a fair shake and see exactly what they're looking at. Maybe we'll like it. Maybe we won't. Who the hell knows? You guys know the format here. This week. We are digging into something that is striking at exactly the right moment. We are looking into... Now, I'm going to split head. It's Marie Kondo, and it's also the show... What's what's the show called, Noah? Tidying Up with Marie Tidying Kondo. Up. Yeah, as, Netflix. As seen on Netflix. Netflix, yeah. yes. So, um, right. Now, you guys probably already know this because she kind of blew up already. Marie Kondo is a brand. She she popped up in 2011 as this gigantic like lifestyle titan in that she's an organizational maven, uh, which I guess is even just soft-pedaling a little bit considering what she does. I, yeah, I'd say she's an organizational expert who coined this specific particular phrase, KonMari, which is breaded fried uh, squid. As we all know. (laughs) (laughs) She published a book in 2011 that I referred to called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And that made her an international brand. Or I should say it kind of made her an American brand. Let's put it that way. She got out the the small Tokyo cultural bubble she had. And it broke her big in the United States where we are predisposed to, you know, buy into fever things like this. We love lifestyles, you know, the secret, all that bullshit. So she's only the most recent uh, uh, phenomenon of that. So she parlayed her success, and who knows whether they hunted her or she went it to a Netflix series because Netflix will buy anything. Um, <laughs> that's that's I- not true. Tell, take it from my personal experience. That is not true. <laughs> well, I just got done watching the last two seasons of Philately Weekly on Netflix, where they just shine okay. old coins. So. Uh, right. Anyway, oh no, no philately stamps. Stamps. I'm thinking of Numismatics Weekly. Yes, thank you. Numismatics Weekly. Thank you. Very important. It is right. It is a distinction. So she's got this Netflix show, which came out like no, you told me it came around around New Year's or so. So people have been talking about this, and so it's like Marie Kondo is getting the second life. The book never really went away, but the fame cooled down a little bit. So her fame is flaring back up, and people are actually meeting her now. Like there's a show which shows her. She's not just this enigmatic little uh, uh, you know Japanese anime character who's doing this little one leg, um, <laughs> um, one leg in the air, point up little video game sprite for for victory now you actually get to see what she's like in person um and even weirder not weirder but i guess appropriate she speaks little to no english because she kind of is fresh in los angeles uh very recently so most everything she does on the show comes through the remove of an interpreter and it's interesting because they do that thing when they cut the episode together where she speaks no the family speaks in english and she speaks in japanese and sometimes they cut out the middleman of the interpreter so it almost sounds like 
like Han Solo and Chewbacca's, you know, verbal relationship? Where it's like, uh, oh. I don't know. I think my guess is that she understands English pretty well. She speaks a little English. A little. But I, and, I think and, she... Yeah. And, and the interpreter doesn't melt in the background. Like the interpreter's introduced. Oh, yeah, yeah, the interpreter yeah. The no, a minor character, who's also named Marie, by the way. Yeah. So my, my guess would be she comprehends most of what they say. But I, she, I don't. To, to speak, it's got to go through the interpreter. I, there I are a lot know. of people like that. There are a lot of people like that who like understand English way better than they speak it. But I, sure. I don't know. You know, I, I wasn't there. So I, 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 no, you, you know, weren't continue. there. That's true. You'd, you'd be lying <laughs> if you said you were there. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's that's our thing. So we're going to talk about Marie Kondo, the person who yeah. you know has been in the ether for a little while, and the show yeah. is kind of the reason why we're talking about it now. I think you need to explain what happens in the show. You never did that. That she goes to these. You just say they meet her. So I think we need to say clearly, she goes to their house. Every episode, there's a different problem where our kids are too messy. We're downsizing. You know, we want to feel like adults. And she shows them how to apply her method so that they... She you know, goes to a different household make, and make tidies them up. It has the, it's forty five yeah. minutes long. It has the standard arc of a, a HGTV or Home and yes. Garden, yeah. you know, show where it starts off and here's the photos of the beginning and the photos of the ending and yeah. you know, a, a, hopefully she fixes the issue and they have a you know an emotional weeby thing at the end. I, all right. With that said, though, what do you think about it? I do not like this show. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have, I guess, three problems with. Uh, and there's a lot of overlapping here. The first is I am not a particularly neat person. I'm not a particularly organized person. And I find her advice to be very facile. I find I, I'm sitting there going, who are these people that don't know how to fold a shirt? They're, they're talking about that like that's revolutionary. Um, who are these people who don't know that to organize lots of little stuff, put them in small boxes. Who are these people who don't know when you want to do a big spring cleaning or get rid of stuff, you take everything out and throw it on the floor and make a big pile and and things are going to look messier before they get cleaner. I mean, I'm not, I, I shouldn't say who are these people who don't know. I guess plenty of people have never done that or never thought of that. But even once you hear it, like it's not a revolutionary idea. So this whole thing, the KonMari method, which by the way, even that name is pretty unoriginal. Her name's Marie Kondo, so it's the KonMari method. Great, real mm. clever. Like I just <laughs> see, I see very little of unique value to what she's telling these people. Although there's another aspect of what she tells them that I'll get to in a minute. Second of all, uh, so every episode, the people have a particular quote problem. I watched four episodes. The first one is they have no time for each other because their kids dominate their life. The other one, we just moved from a house in Michigan to a small apartment, four of us, so we got to downsize. Two men who are a couple who, you know, they're in their late 20s and they're tired of feeling like college students, so they want to feel like adults. These are all valid issues. Uh, there's one where a woman is, or she's a widow, and is getting rid of her husband's stuff and going through the grieving process. These are all very valid issues, but they're very common issues. They're very pedestrian issues. You know, every one of us is going to go through at least one of these in our lifetime. You know, they do the reality TV thing of they treat it like the sad music, like, you know, we don't have time for each other. Our children take up so much time. Like, yeah, no shit. You have fucking kids. Like, this is what happens when you have children. <laughs> I don't have children, but every parent I know tells me about this. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying you don't deserve some sympathy, but why the fuck is this on TV? These people are a little whiny. Now, they're whiny, but I will say to a person, I didn't hate any of these people. They all seem reasonably likable. I liked all these people fine. They're perfectly fine people, even interesting people. I mean, they're not, you know, fascinating, unique people like should be in a Barbara Walters special, but they're all people I wouldn't mind 
sitting and talking to. Perfectly nice people. Then there's the biggest problem with the show, is that my main takeaway watching the show was that Marie Kondo is not a person. She strikes me as a collection of Western stereotypes of Asian people. I've stepped back from that a little. I don't understand Asian culture, especially Japanese culture. And from what I read about her, like, I don't think she's playing a character. I think she really is as she is. You know, I, I hesitate. I don't want to insult her by saying she has this very stereotypical personality because I will accept her personality at face value. Let's let's talk more about how people who watch the show and have made the show popular, how they view her. And I don't think people are viewing her or enjoying her or listening to her as a person. I think they're listening to her as an archetype. There is an archetype in American culture uh, called the Oriental Monk, which is uh, a person from the Orient, duh, from Asia, who embodies the stereotypical traits of serenity and peace wisdom yeah yeah yeah. wisdom i mean the most common example for our generation would be mr miyagi from from karate kid he's a very archetypical uh oriental monk and these people kind of come out of nowhere they're asexual you know it's not about their wants and desires i mean it's sort of like the asian version of something the the term spike lee coin the magical negro it's like yeah. the Asian version of that, although it's a little less uh, denigrating. You know, there's that kind of person. You know, Mr. Miyagi is very typical. He's he's always wise, but he's hyper capable. You know, it's only paid lip service to him having any real emotion. Yeah, he's got no arc. Marie Kondo defies a little in that she's female, and the Oriental monk is usually male. You know, she comes and she brings peace to your home. And the other thing she does, apart from telling you how to fold shirts, is she she tells you to she does a little prayer to bless your home and. And before you get rid of stuff, you thank it. Thank you for letting me wear you. I mean, these are such archetypes of the Asians. They understand the world better and they they understand spirituality better. And they're more at peace and they're more serene. Serene, that's a big word. When I worked at Time Out New York and I edited food writing, we had on our list of like verboten words, cliches we can't use, is describing a Japanese restaurant as serene because it's become this horrible stereotype verging on racism. Whatever Marie Kondo is really like, I think she is treated as this, in some ways, white affirming, you know, and so, oh, we love Asian people. You know, it's taking from that culture what serves us and not really looking them looking at them as people. So I find the show a little disconcerting. I don't have much use for it. I'll get into a little later when I talk about would I like it more if I were younger, that I don't find it completely useless. I don't like it. I find the tips basic. I find the information not very enlightening and and the people not very enlightening. And I find the way her character is to be really empty. Let me ask you something. If if Marie Kondo was a round-faced Scot from Edinburgh who was coming to America, I had the same show. And so she had an accent, but she had this, you know, specific point of view and did all the exact same things that Marie Kondo is doing. You know, instructed people on folding t-shirts into tight tight little envelopes and standing Tupperware up on its end. Would it make a difference to you if she wasn't Japanese? It would at least be an original idea from my point of view, A. And B, I think the show with a Scottish Marie Kondo would only be a hit if Marie Kondo were an appealing character. If she were a wacky, fun, or in some ways colorful character that people like, people really enjoy watching. Yeah, and outs- an I think outsider, the only sure. thing, yeah, the, the only thing they like, or no, not an outsider, but like a, a, a colorful character, right? Mm-hmm. Someone with star power or something. I think the only appeal of Marie Kondo is these very empty Asian stereotypes. She's not appealing as a person. She's appealing as a vessel of preconceived notions of, of Japanese culture, Japanese views on life, Japanese philosophy. 
Mm-hmm. And I find that to be really empty and in some ways disconcerting. In some ways, I hesitate to say racist because I always feel racist has an element of, of, of malice to it. And I, I think any malice would be very indirect. It's fetishistic is maybe more... Uh, more accurate. It's hard not to argue. First of all, I don't think I don't think either of us is saying that Marie Kondo is not, you know, naturally and genuinely being herself and that there is this she I, I don't know. I don't know. Cameras go off, she could be screaming at people. I, don't know. I mean, probably uh, not. But. No, I, I from everything I've read, this is, you know, yeah. apparently, you know, part of her background was that she was a uh, attendant maiden yeah. at a Shinto shrine of among At a things. Shinto shrine. And she's you applying know, a lot of the and, and it's and it's those real principles from the from the literal Shinto Asian Japanese culture through the prism of Westernization that yes. makes up the, the Oriental monk archetype. Yeah, there, there is a basis in reality. It is. I, I was going to say that I find the whole idea of anime, you know, Shinto is, I think, essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of ancestor worship to some degree. It's the fact that it's they're, they're animating animated spirits, that yeah, every something. single thing is sort of filled with a presence of some sort. Now, it's hard to say because, you know, we think of ghosts like Ghostbusters, but they have a different attitude. <laughs> With yeah, both Ghost, true. Ghostbusters. Most people don't realize Ghostbusters was originally going to be set in a Shinto temple. <laughs> it was a Shinto temple, but uh, they have a different relationship with, first of all, the deceased, and then what we consider spirits, whether they're human spirits or animal spirits. Either way, things are animated, and so when they are, that's when you can talk to a shirt and thank it for its service, and you can bless a house. I find that highly disingenuous, but that's me. Anything that shepherds people into thinking that they live in a more animated life, where it's like. You have to apologize to a lamp for throwing it out. I think is completely disingenuous and fallacious. <laughs> and also, it, it doesn't do any... We can't live in a world where everything has a personality. You know, I know that everyone yeah. goes out and they look at their fucking Corvette car and they give it a name and they treat it like it's a fucking racehorse. And it's like, no, it's a car. And no, that's a t-shirt. And it's a fucking lamp. And it's like, it's just a thing. It's an object. And the more we go about animating things with personalities that aren't there. Let's, let's not call boats she for now on. Like, we can do that. <laughs> too. I, I totally would be into not animating a Navy as if it were female. But, but regardless, Marie Kondo herself, she's genuinely being her. Who she is, is this small four foot eight. I hate to say that she does look like a drawn caricature of what you would say. A little polite, sweater wearing, sensible flats, bangs, but bob cut hair woman who looks like she's this squeaky little character out of an anime. Honestly, it's who she is. So that's her thing. It does line up with, I think, like you said, in America, a lot of the preconceived notions we have about Asian people, especially this is a type of caricature of an Asian person that we have in America. Now, it's not her fault. I mean, she's not doing anything wrong. It's the way we have appropriated Asian people and made them into archetypes and stereotypes. Regardless of that, I'm not, I'm a pretty sensibly neat person. I don't live inside. I like cleanliness. I like hygiene. I don't like filth. I like like order. They do seem like pretty simple things, but I watched one episode. I watched the first episode with the couple you said who were overwhelmed by their kids. And I just wonder sometimes when I go to people's houses, how the fuck do you live like this? And then I realized this is how the fuck they live like that. It's like, look what they're up against. They, the guy, That guy was a jerk. That guy was a fucking sawed off idiot with like a chin beard. And that woman was an Instagram influencer. And so oh, it's like, well, I didn't think they were so bad. They seem perfectly fine. I, you're, such I, a, you're such a curmudgeon. Maybe so, but they were assholes, and I'm right about that. Oh, so they had too much no. to go I'm sorry, on. Kevin and Rachel. You're fine. Yeah. 
they were overwhelmed by kids. They were overwhelmed by tendencies. They were overwhelmed by philosophical difference between the two of them in terms of how they keep the house. That's how people get into this. And so, I mean, structurally, Marie Kondo coming in there and trying to break their bones and reset them is a worthwhile activity. Now, a flaw of the show is that the show is about the family. And the people, when you're going to somebody's house for a 45 to 50 minute long program, these randos who are somewhere in Pasadena or wherever close to the production offices, and you're supposed to give a shit about these two people. Yeah. And yeah, like I don't they, think I think they're nice, but I don't think they're interesting. Yes, I they agree. had 81% of the camera time, and Marie Kondo had 19%. Yeah. And it's like because she's not a personality; she's a magical figure who swoops yeah, in. No. to yeah, she's not a person; so I, she's a. Force. I hated yeah. I hated their two fucking kids. I hated the two of them, <laughs> and I I, underst- I understand how they got into the mess that they were in. Now, and I say mess; it's not like you know they had a meth problem. They're fucking no, mess. it's not that bad. In yeah, fact, that's that was right. part it's, of my problem: is the before and after photos don't look that much different to yeah, me. Yeah, the stakes are very low. Uh, this isn't like yeah, the horror very show. Very low. No, like the they're ho- fine. Their yeah, the home ho- is perfectly fine. The hoarder show on A and E was like real yeah. human depravity. Like there was a reason yeah. the rock block was of, of hoarders with intervention. It's like you really want to see how low people can go. Turn on A and E circa two thousand and ten, and it's like you're going to get like a real you know human misery and human bondage. This is not that. This is like the most sanitized Netflix thing in the world. They're not finding like a single dead cat anywhere under a giant bunch of books <laughs> that have been sitting there. This is very <laughs> innocuous. So there's no stakes to the show and Marie comes in there and gives them little boxes and says here organize your pen caps and organize your fucking watches and it's like so 45 minutes later I walk away thinking okay Marie Kondo looks like she knows what she's doing this is not a TV show this is a fucking magazine article that you write once and you walk away from until she does something new this isn't something I can watch over and over again because it's it's boring and yes the idea that the befores and afters I think are the very lifeblood of this type of program now I'll say this as a guy who watched Queer Eye for the Straight guy back when it was on in the early 2000s. I love that show because it was based on these entire huge changes that you can put into a... And that, you were talking about unearthing a guy, you know, usually poorly dressed, yeah. poorly groomed, the, the, poorly the, organized the, the, guys. The, yes, that that that's a good comparison. I didn't think that. The change was a lot more drastic. The tips seemed a lot more actionable. I still remember things I learned from that show. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the, me too. The, the Fab Five or whatever they called those guys were way more, way, had way more personality and way more coloring and shading to them. Stereotypes are there because they're like cliches. You know, obviously there's some truth behind them too. And again, it's a stereotype if I say it it defamatorily or declarative, that is caustic. If someone's like living something and they really enjoy it, then it, you know, it's not a, it's it's only stereotype from the outside. Yes. Right. And I'm sorry to, to paint, Marie Kondo with that brush, but A, that's what I'm getting out of it, and B, that's what I think most people are getting out of it who love the show. They're not enjoying her as a person, they're enjoying her as a collection of tropes. Going back to the Mr. Miyagi thing, uh, there's a moment, there was actually a bunch of moments in that pilot where the woman, now I can understand that the woman of the house was being, like she signed up for this and her house was being lit with Klieg lights and Kinos. They must have, you know, scouted the house and fixed it up and she met everybody in advance. So this was not an ambush. She knew what was coming. So maybe she felt a little exposed anyway because... You know, your your insides are being processed and turned outside. So the thing is, she kept saying to Marie Kondo, "Oh, I bet your house is never like this." Yeah. And she wasn't being she wasn't being disingenuous, but she was looking at Marie Kondo like she was some Terminator sent from an organizational future. And and the husband <laughs> said that too when they were going through the garage. 
he had this look on his face like he was embarrassed and he said something like oh jesus you probably never you know you probably never seen something this bad before and so marie kondo has to sort of you know snicker into her hands and say very politely no you know i occasionally have uh, you know an extra broom in my garage i get very yeah. very cluttered sometimes <laughs> but it is that idea that like you were regarding this person as like oh man you probably haven't eaten since 1987 that's how disciplined you are it's like no yeah, this, is yeah. a, this is a human being and, and to a degree yeah. does it make sense for her to build herself up into you know she is the mastermind of her own brand she knows exactly what she's doing so the way she's putting together her image it makes sense for people or maybe it makes sense for her it could be in fact very lucrative and make her look credible if for a tiny little three foot four woman that she somehow is larger than life. You know, she's she's a little Yoda. She's a Yoda in like a sensible little white cashmere ca- cashmere cardigan. Okay, so I'd love to greet your house first. I love that. Excited. Sure. All we're communicating to the house is that we're thanking it, first of all, for always protecting you, and that we are about to begin this process of tidying. Okay, now, I finding spot. Why, you know, in the two weeks or however old this stupid year is so far, why is this caught on so much? Why is every other Facebook post talking about this? Why is this such a hit? Well, that's a good question because I am a little mystified because I don't think the show has stakes. Like, I, I, and you're, you wisely pointed out that the befores and afters are not so and not so grievously different that you'd say these people were hovering on the precipice of oblivion. And it's not like the cast, the people who are on the show are just these naturally, you know, electric stars, meteors. So I have a little trouble wondering, you know, is is it just people want to know that this philosophy exists? Are people really buying into the whole like Shinto aspect? Of, I think that may be it. There may be a little bit of this, this woo-woo thing about talking to your clothes and blessing the house. And some of it may be looking at this, this operator this this uh, unknown quantity who comes into America and she's bringing these uh, values that are clearly not ours and she does not look like she's from San Fernando Valley and she's walking around almost and I think the serene part is definitely reflected here. The family said, can you hold our kid like she was like Madonna of Lourdes, you know, or, or <laughs> Mother Teresa. Let me see what my kid looks like next to your reflected glow of Marie Kondo. Oh, so maybe, maybe it's simply the fact that this, this two foot three woman is um, somehow being magnified into something large, that, that she does in fact look like the apotheosis of Eastern wisdom. But I think I am a little mystified. There's nothing exceptional about it. I mean, even what she does, let's say she does it really well, it's not a fucking lightning bolt out of the blue. It's just... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not an organized person. I know how to fold a fucking shirt. Yeah. Like, there's... The one actionable piece of advice I got from watching four episodes is like, oh, that's how you fold a fitted sheet. I've never been able to do that. Like, to the point where, like, I actually watch that and rewatch that. And, like, might go back and watch it again. Because I've never been able to fold a fitted sheet. Now, I haven't tried it. It's possible I'll try the <laughs> technique and I'll completely fail. Because yeah. I suck at that stuff. But, you know, it, it's... There's no... You're right. There is nothing... I feel so little actionable here unless you're a complete moron. You know, the kind of person who's, like, never put clothes away or never done laundry before. Like a kid who first gets to college. 
All right, so why? Yeah, the Asian fetishistic stuff has always had that appeal. You know, the Oriental monk, and we want the wisdom, and blah. By the way, but let me, let me cut in and say, she, she's not yeah. sexualized. I don't know if we were specifying that. She's she's If that had been on anybody's yeah. mind uh, in, yeah, in this conversation, yeah, yeah. she's not sexualized, not yeah. at all. When we, we are say, not, yes, we are when not, we, right, sorry, when we say, fet, I know, often people say Asian fetish, and they mean a sexual thing. It's I don't think she's sexualized, right? And I think... I'm sure you could write a paper about this, like why now? Why at certain moments when there has been more interest in Asian culture in the United States, why? I think these are very stressful times. We as Americans feel we're on the precipice of something, whether it's the most loathsome human being in our country running things, running in quotes, uh, whether it's the impending specter of economic collapse, environmental collapse. I mean, we are at a scary, stressful moment. And I think it is dawning on a lot more people that maybe having all this stuff is not healthy and not practical and not survivable. We got to get a handle on the physical conditions of our living situation. So I think there's an underlying sense, like I I have too much stuff, both literal and and metaphorical. So there's an appeal, a of being able to simplify things, and b having this almost otherworldly, you know, other cultural. Therefore, from our point of view, otherworldly, mystical, almost inscrutable. That's a word often applied oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. right? One, inscrutable one, yeah. force kind of parachute in and through its mystic powers solving our problems. Take all the clothes from everywhere in the house and pile it into one big fountain. Oh. Right Rachel, here. No. Kevin, in the living room. All of your clothes, oh right now. Oh Every single piece. Okay, hold on. I'm okay. grabbing everything from my closets Closet. and putting it in here. So and your drawers. Yes, the bed would be great. Just pull it out. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and let's create a pile. All right, no, Atarno, this is a completely uh, weird question. I don't know how we're going to answer this, but would you have liked this bullshit as a kid? Uh, my, yeah, I mean, you know, the obvious answer is no. Why would I? But... <laughs> There's an element of this show that I think I would have related to a lot more five, ten years ago versus now. Um, so I, I moved from New York to San Francisco three and a half years ago. And in the process of that, I put almost all my stuff in storage. Like, as I mentioned before, most of my books, a ton, I got rid of all, a ton of my CDs. Most of my possessions are either gone or in the, my parents' basement. And three and a half years later, I miss five percent of it. I live in San Francisco uh, in an apartment with my roommate. Almost all the furniture is hers, and I love it this way. I like not having a lot of stuff, and as a result, I've gotten to a point where this idea of an item sparking joy in me is hard to relate to. You know, I think stuff sparks joy for me. A piece of clothing. Sp- quote unquote, seems sparks joy or seems important to me or a book or anything if I'm like, well, this is useful. I view things as utilitarian. I can back that up. I, I know that yeah, about you. And, and, absolutely true. And, and, and you, might, you might say that makes me cold, but I don't think so. They're things. They're not people. Again, like this is something I have trouble relating to. Like they're not people. You don't view people. Like, yes, there's a problem if you view people as utilitarian, but they're things. They're not well, that's that's why I was like, and I, fucking, and I, and I, I'm calling her out on the whole fucking animating yeah. shirt thing, and don't don't I, I, fucking I, give a lamp a personality. It doesn't earn right, it. Right, right. I don't think there's anything wrong with treating things as utilitarian. That being said, I think when I still lived in New York, I had more of that. You you might remember Bill, but I had in my living room 
at my apartment in New York, I had this big cabinet shelf and it was mainly a CD rack, but a bunch of the uh, compartments were empty. And I had like these little curios and knickknacks in it. I had stolen a light bulb from the Ferris wheel in uh, Coney Island. I had a little statuette from when I went to Belgium when I was seven of the mannequin piece. I have all these little gigaws and, and knickknacks and stuff I like. And I like that. I had a bobblehead of Theodore Roosevelt, which by the way, I still have, I'm looking at right now. So I, I saved some of this crap. You know, I was more into stuff as owning stuff. I loved owning all these CDs. Now I still have some CDs, but they're in books and I hardly ever refer to them. So that's my way of saying that five, ten years ago, I might have related to this more because the idea of items sparking joy made me, you know, resonated with me more. Now, like, I don't give a shit. It's stuff. Either it helps me or it doesn't. The flip side of that is I think there might be an argument to be made that I relate to the show more now. I feel most people as they get older, they're more inward looking. And I have more of a sense of maybe I need to be at more be more at peace with my surrounding. Not thanking inanimate objects, thanking my possessions, but thinking about them. So in some ways I relate to it more, like thoughtfully owning, thoughtfully acquiring. So a surprisingly complicated answer to that question, I would I would say. Yeah, more more you? than I thought. Yeah, more than I thought we were yeah. gonna get. No, I it seems preposterous that this show, which is so beige, gray, and <laughs> calm and, and and sort of gentle and non non-obstreperous and and i mean just that's the complexion of the program itself no that wouldn't have done anything for me this would have looked like some house flipper show just an extremely mild first gear version of something that is about a precinct in our culture that i just don't have any connection to of course i own things of course i've thrown things away of course i've moved of course i've analyzed my objects to see what do we need how much and what would you know we even contemplate a move later this year, perhaps, and thinking about all these things is always on the, it's on, it, it, but not this way. I just don't see it as being part of a cultural diet for me. I don't see the interest of, there's no interest for me with making a TV show and a book and a sort of way of life that I might actually continue to follow up on as, as if it were some, you know, self-help pseudo-religion, you know, which maybe that's not what this is supposed to be, but it does, I think we're both describing a phenomenon that comes across as a little bit of a, the force, you know, it's a little bit of a hokey religion, as Han Solo says, second Han Solo yeah. reference in this episode. But no, as a kid, neither the content nor the way the show works nor her personality would have done anything for me at all. I mean, I, I really appreciate what you said because it, it, all those things are true and I think as you get older so we both had to get rid of things the older we get and yeah I think we've gotten more logic and colder about it and that to me is fine I think if you make it warmer and flouncier the disingenuity just kind of blows it for me and maybe I would have felt that way when I was 13 or 14 or 20 or something like that but I don't give a shit I just don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah I wouldn't think you would the important is to hold each item one okay. by one. Okay, oh my gosh. Uh, when you touch the item that sparks joy for you, okay. um, you feel cute. Okay. Cute. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. You are, all of your cells are rising. Yes, okay, wow. Yeah. Bill, is, is the success of tidying up with Marie Kondo a sign of the apocalypse? I think we've touched on this a little already. No, I mean, there's nothing apocalyptic about it. If people want to tidy up their things, it's, it's like the most mild, like I said, beige gray. It's the most mild sort of revolution in thinking that people are having. It's, it's not like the ice bucket challenge or fucking, what was that? The cinnamon challenge? Remember that thing where assholes were like taking a mouthful of cinnamon and nearly like dying because you can't put uh, real cinnamon in your face? It's like, I, I why are these people... That. 
People are subscribing to this stupid fad. This one might get them to clean up their garage, but probably not. They'll probably like make lip service about it and go back to having a cigarette and beating their kid. But no, I don't think there's anything apocalyptic about God. it. Just because like this, it's like you present me with a fucking bag of cotton balls and you're like looking at me with this sheepish grin saying, huh, is this thing the apocalypse, Bill? Is this thing the apocalypse? It's like, no, it's definitely not. Uh, yeah, see, I, I disagree. I oh, mean, man. As I said before, I think it's literally a sign of the apocalypse and that, you know, what I said before, that it's popular because we, we feel the the era of everyone's got a big house with a shit ton of stuff is just passe. And it's, you know, when, when the zombie hordes invade and we're on the road you know, hiking up to Canada because the zombies freeze up in Canada, we're only going to be able to have what we, uh, we can carry in a backpack. So 72 shirts and fi- 54 <laughs> pairs of shoes and, you know, 8,000 toys for my kids is just not going to be tenable. Uh, I also want to say that just, you know, the fact that it's 2018 and we're still treating Japanese people like freaking Charlie Chan is just not <laughs> oh, not good. Man. So, yeah, I just think it's really freaking sad that even in this day and age, Japanese people are, are cartoon characters to us. Whatever. I, I guess I'm guilty of this, too, because as I mentioned earlier, I, I find Japanese culture very hard to understand. I, I'm not I, I like to think that when I meet an individual Japanese person, I'm able to put that aside. But you're describing a structural defect of American culture where well, you yes. know, we, yeah. we have all of these sort of preconceived notions that were, you know, built in the 20th in the late 19th. Uh, yeah, in the early 20th century. And we're stuck with all these stereotypes. I mean, look, I know it's not your fault that Jews have tails and horns and stuff like that. It's true. They do. <laughs> oh, they do. But it's like regrettable that people have used that against Jews for the rest of their yeah. lives. Yeah. Especially since, you know, we control all the banks. So yeah, really. And the weather, too. So your garage at home. How simple is it? That's not to say that I'm perfect. I do have a section in my garage where I just kind of keep things that I meant to store, but it's temporary space. Nowhere to wrap it up. Is your dislike based in jealousy? Absolutely, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, first of all, you go in all these people's houses, and maybe I'm wrong, but they all appear to have way more resources and money than I do. I mean, the truth is, half, you know, I'm not poor, so half of them probably just spend money more irresponsibly than me uh she is so uh, marie is so obviously like unperturbed by everything so calm and so accepting and so even keeled and i don't feel that way i'm a freaking mess uh and <laughs> tied in with that is the fact that nothing i mean sometimes i feel like nothing sparks joy for me what sparks joy for me i don't know a, a chocolate chip cookie i don't know you get jealous of these people who seem to be living such a happier life than i am on the other hand the the people on the show their lives seem way more complicated than mine so i guess compared to them i feel very lucky you know i don't have these headaches to deal with i don't have 50 rooms to furnish and i don't have eight thousand shirts i haven't worn in 10 years and i don't have you know children i i i don't know i mean you don't like those people watch the african-american family because they seem to take a lot more joy from their children and then of course there's a problem i have with all these people and everything we look at is she's super famous and beloved and i'm sitting there going these aren't revolutionary ideas so she gets all this credit for doing jack shit and i feel like i do a lot more work and i don't get enough credit oh folding shirts you know putting tupperware away sideways you know taking everything out and deciding if you want it or not like like where do you how do you not know these things like it just seems very (laughs) obvious to me and she's raking in the dough and becoming famous over this like that ain't fair but whatever the words ain't fair and that's 
you know, that's why I'm jealous. No, I, I not not jealous of any single bit of this. No, if anything, look into people's houses and to see this sort of suburban middle class disasters. I was about to parenthetically say, you know, like you mentioned the show is shot in or Los Angeles, or maybe I said that. And it, it is a very thin sliver of humanity who they're going to put, first of all, it's geographically once, whether or not you came from Michigan or whatever, there is a, speaking of samey sameness, the kind of people who live in Los Angeles is one suburban ideal, especially in the way it gets portrayed on TV. You only ever get to see one suburban version of what Los Angeles and the surrounding environs look like. And the show exploits that as if, you know, there's no way they would ever show a house that Marie, was Marie Kondo going to go to Pro is Marie Kondo going to go to fucking Jefferson City? I think she will. She would, but the, the show, show, but the show now, wouldn't. The show wouldn't do no, it. No, I think it will. Because no, I Netflix, think now that it's a hit. Netflix made now that this it's a, show. No, nah, no way. No way. I disagree. No, now that it's a hit, they got to do another season and they got to push the envelope. So what are they going to do? She's going to go to the home of a Trump supporter. I guarantee you. I guarantee to you. You ask 50,000 Trump supporters, you're going to find one who's going to be polite enough to let this little Asian woman into our house and give them advice. They'll find I think, someone. I think I think I understand the logic. My point is the suburban anime Sorry. of the show set in Los Angeles about beige gray things is just so inoffensive. And it's so the, the, the picture of Los Angeles, it's not the Los Angeles I've seen. And no, there is plenty of it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, yeah, but Los Angeles is such a bigger place. And you yes. don't ever see the things that are there reflected on TV. And the thing is, since but, all the studios mm. are there and they shoot six minutes away from where everyone makes the decisions, you have a very limited area of what they're going to look at. So they go to the same fucking suburbs all the time. But now, but now it's a hit and they want to flex some muscle. And I'm telling you, I, do, I think the town, I was watching episode one and I was two thirds of the way through it with that one with Kevin and Rachel. And I'm like, where are they? And I had forgotten they're in California. That suburb could be anywhere in this country. But it is anywhere. there. But it is there. And that, but it is and that, there. But they, and they want you to think. That's the thing is like it's it's designed to play every single neighborhood in America. And it portrays every single neighborhood in America as looking like someplace in fucking Azusa. You know, some some San Fernando Valley neighborhood that was built in 1952. There is this idea that they projected the American neighborhood, the American town, was projected from Los Angeles. Now, that was a craven money-making thing that, that was done at the dawn of, of film and, and and, you know, TV shows and things like that. The American town has tried to make itself look like all the California, Los Angeles neighborhoods that were yeah. the mid-century ideal rather than the other way around. So TV has just dictated what... That's why fucking everybody talks like a valley girl because everybody thinks they're in Reseda, for Christ's sake. California is America, but more so, you know, because yeah. California is the best state. California is on the edge. It's the... It's the it's the frontier. Everyone yeah, takes a leaf from California. It's the way it fucking should be, man. It's why I moved here. California is the best, man. Who needs drinking water? Who needs uh, racial miscegenation? Who needs any of those things? That's what I say. Where does tidying up with Marie Kondo fall on the philonometer? Falon, the Falonian scale. scale. Huh? So <laughs> compared to the past topics we talked about, with Jimmy Fallon being the worst thing anyone could ever imagine in humanity i don't get it orgasms was the best possible thing remember that one that was a fun episode <laughs> that was awesome the problem yeah actually we, we we forgot to do this with aquaman and it occurred to me I, I have to put this in the program docket so no i thought we did i thought we did uh i don't no, i don't think so i don't uh, think we no, did never we mind. kind of we kind of let gloss right over it so where does this fall um boy i, I would say marie kondo to me is probably equal to um 
three minions. Three minions? No. Yeah. I, uh, I'd say it's about uh, a quarter of a Troy Savon. No, I don't know. A quarter? <laughs> You're not Troy making Savon any was, sense, man. Troy, Troy Savon was bad. I got to think about this one more. I gotta think How about this? this? How about Marie Kondo is the human equivalent of vaping? So I don't know. I got to think about that one. Let's put a pin in that. Let's Marie come back Kondo, to this. Marie Kondo sawed a boat in half and then put it back together again. Yes, that's, with that's, Flexio. Very that's nice. the okay. scale. All right. So, Bill, what do people do if they want to hear past that? We've, we've been up to like 75 episodes now. So Very close, yeah. What do people do if they want to hear any of those older episodes, some of the uh, old topics? If you want to see past episodes, like 73 or 74 of these some bitches, look on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Some of y'all do, which we like that. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Go to the website or don't. Go to iTunes, give us a review. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Noah Tarno, but more to the point, I'm at BigQuizThing.com. Uh, corporate and private trivia game show events nationwide, coast to coast. Uh, learn more at BigQuizThing.com. We're also on Twitter at BigQuizThing, Instagram at BigQuizThing. Uh, we have a rare public show coming up, our, our annual big Oscars quiz thing happening February 24th at La Poisson Rouge in New York. Uh, multimedia Oscar quiz game show, big prizes, and a screening of the Academy Awards. And then, yes, private and corporate events nationwide. Uh, BigQuizThing.com. All right, everyone. Go fix your fucking houses, all right? Tidy yourself up. Look at the way Fold, fold your shirts. Fold your jeans. Fold your fucking fold shirts. Fold your boxer shorts. Yes. Okay. Just do Thank something about it. it. God damn all it. Right. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2019.